Moving to oneness. Nourishing curiosity. Embracing differences. Becoming one. That boyish smile got me, made me curious. <laughs> and I'm so happy <laughs> and laughing because this conversation is going to be fun. Listen in, stay tuned, because this vastness that my guest brings today to you all the way from Acapulco, Mexico, is going to provide momentum to your life, inspiration, And do take time to synchronize to every fiber of him and sense it within your own body. And that will change your future. Hello, everyone. I'm Mylene Elke, the host of the Moving to Oneness podcast. And today I have with you, for you, <laughs> my guest, Clint Arthur in Mexico, Acapulco. Thank you. Thank you for being on my podcast. Namaste. <laughs> yeah, everyone, this laughter, you know, sometimes I do things in life, and maybe you as well, you do things and you fall or stumble upon things. And to be free in that moment to act on it is so important. Follow the, your instinct, you call it, or maybe there's an inkling, your body, or you just No, you have to do it. So don't plan too much in your life and leave these things open so things can unfold, the unfathomed can happen. And a profi or a super uh, man who does that every single day in your life, I would say, Clint, since a little kid, as a student, as an artist, as so much more, you invite things to appear for you and then you play with them almost like a surfer on a way on the ocean wave and i love that about you i love how you know about me because you read my book wisdom of yes. the man yes I, i did i'm very grateful to have a podcast host who actually read the book that's really awesome and i did talk about my whole life from when i was a child all the way till now and i've been so looking forward to this interview because of who you are and what this is all about and how you do stuff how you, you do these interviews so i'm i'm excited to hear about that and yeah i since i was a little kid i have been open to taking opportunities to stepping into whatever the world presents to me and maximizing it because I don't live in fear. Maybe I'm dumb, maybe I'm living ignorance is bliss, but I try not to live in fear. And that's one of the greatest things that came out of my participation in something called the Sterling Men's Weekend, which led to the title of my book, Wisdom of the Men. See, the Sterling Men's Weekend was a seminar that dropped into my lap just because I wanted to get my website rebuilt. That's how it happened. I that's met how this life guy. happens. I met this guy. He was the boyfriend of this girl whose radio show I was on. Or And, and he said, hey, I really like what you're doing. And I'd like to help you by rebuilding your website. And all I ask is, in, in addition to my regular $35 an hour fee, that you take this seminar about how to have more power as a man. And I said, wow, that sounds great. I love seminars and I would love to have more power as a man. And what I got out of that was, what I didn't realize was by that point in my life, I was about, how old was I when I took the men's weekend? It was December, 2000. So I was 35 years old. By that point in my life, I had developed a fear of men. Ooh. I was afraid of men. I was afraid of men. 
hitting on me, raping me. I, I don't know where all these fears come from. That's how fears are in life. They just like start stacking onto each other, I guess. And the great gift was when I graduated the men's weekend, I no longer had a fear of men. I loved men. I, mm. I loved I loved men. And that really opened up a lot for me because to go from fearing a whole half of the, the population to loving the whole half of the population, that was a great thing. And it introduced me to the men's weekend and I, and I joined a team and I stepped into the opportunity of becoming the leader of the team. And when I was the leader of the team, that is what brought me to the wisdom of the men and the book, which is now nominated for the Pulitzer Prize. And congratulations. Thank you. And our conversation today. Okay. Yeah. So, you know, this is a really interesting thing the fear of men, or we also have fear of women. And it really is ingrained in us. And it comes a little later because as children, we are not fearful of each other's genders and we're together and we see each other as one. And um, the outside does that, the schooling or the newspaper, right? We are made fearful of the other, of all the things that can happen in this, this precious time where we are supposed to get very close to each other and feel and embrace each other. I think sometimes I even miss it here in Germany when I compare it to let's say the Persian women or uh, Zara women, where there is much a stronger community of uh, women where they hug each other and they celebrate and their sister and the massage. I didn't grow up this way, right? Very separated. It, ha it has a reason, right? We're more controllable because of this, but you never let yourself be controlled. Even though maybe that fear crept up, you, 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 it was something else I, I noticed is, you're very determined. So in a way, you have a true understanding. There is a certain purity about you um, that you sense what is good for you or where to lead. And you're finding your own way. And this is where I take off my hat and I think, fantastic, chapeau. Even though you go and are curious about others, how they live their life, what made them who they are, and you share so much about their wisdom with us in your book. Um, but you always stayed who you are. You didn't emulate or you know try to become like them. You wanted to see the best of each person. And this, I thought, was really fascinating. And then you took the best in and put it together like into a new form and to, to in a way, optimize you. And also when the optimization is for some people, maybe, oh, it is not this perfect uh, career path you go. You went into another way where you delved inside and uh, pushed out the outside world away. And I think a lot of healers do that or people that want to bring out more of them who they are because it will be needed in the future. <laughs> That's what I believe anyway. Your book is gonna be needed. A lot of people are gonna read it and get this new excitement within that you're bringing them to be courageous and to go for what you desire and love. And that when they do it, they can sense, oh, it's okay. People are uh, smiling with me. They're gonna laugh with me. They're gonna have fun with me. It is not so hard. They're not gonna judge me, right? What so many people are afraid of and you're showing them um, how possible it is. A lot of people restrain themselves from taking chances, from doing what they want to do really in their heart of hearts because they're afraid of failing and looking stupid in front of their friends. And I truly understand. I chased a dream, the Hollywood dream for 13 years. Mm -hmm. While all of my fraternity brothers from college were becoming millionaires and billionaires, I was driving a taxi in Los Angeles, a Wharton Business School graduate, driving a taxi because I was writing screenplays, I was going on auditions, I was trying to be the dream that I wanted, which was to be an Oscar-winning filmmaker and movie star. 
And I really believed it was possible. I, I, yeah. because I had succeeded in everything, but for 13 years, I chased that dream. And when I got to 10 years, I thought, well, it's got to happen any day, 11 years. Well, it's really got to happen 12 years, 13 years. And finally I said, I can't keep chasing this dream that is, is going to destroy my whole life and consume what could have been something great. I had been such a high achiever my whole life. And here I was not getting any waves. I used to have a saying, you can't surf the waves that aren't there. And I wasn't getting any waves. And that's when I gave up on that. And I had to learn how to trust myself again, because mm -hmm. after 13 years of not making stuff happen, not being able to manifest the way I used to when I was young, I had to learn how to trust myself to be able to have, have success again. And that was a real process of step-by-step step building on, on success after success, regaining an understanding of how to be a successful person. And along the way, I met a lot of mentors, a lot of very famous and successful people, and, you know, including five presidents of the United States. And yeah, a, lot fascinating. Of people, a lot of people have a problem with that. A lot of people say, oh, this person is a deep state operative, or this person is a criminal, or this person is the wrong political orientation. I don't want to hear anything about them. And how could you like this one? You know what? These are people who have been extremely successful in life. That's all I care about on, on my journey. It's not about politics in any way. It's only about what, what do they have based on, you know, when I met George H.W. Bush, the 41st president of the United States, we were in a kitchen at yeah. the Wynn Resort. I was just visiting a client while he was mixing up a big pot of lobster bisque. And there goes George Bush and two Secret Service men walking through the kitchen. And I'm, I go, holy shit, that was the president of the United States. And the chef, who's like the executive chef of this major restaurant at the Wynn Resort, you can imagine how many millions of dollars he's doing through his restaurant there. He goes, really? He had no idea. And I follow him into the restaurant, into the dining room. And I go up to the secret service agent and I say, can I get a picture with the president? I had attended another seminar with Mark Victor Hansen, who was one of the two impresarios who created a little series of books called Chicken Soup for the Soul. You may have heard of that thing. Yes. They've sold mm -hmm. more than half a billion books. books. That's a lot of books. And he had advised all of us at his seminar you should always walk around with a little Instamatic camera in your pocket in case you meet anyone who's special or famous, you'll want to get a photo with them. And that was maybe, I don't know, a year earlier. And I had this camera in my pocket and I pull out the camera. Can I get a picture with the president? Secret Service guy goes, sure. I go over to the president and he's, he's wearing a tie with little parachute jumpers on it. I looked in the photo. I didn't realize that for years after taking that photo, I, when I zoomed in and mm -hmm. saw the little parachute jumpers. And I said, I voted for you, sir. That was a lie. I just wanted him to like me more. I didn't vote for him. I didn't vote in elections. I never voted in an election until I voted for, uh, I voted for Ronald Reagan way back. That was the first time I voted. The second time I ever voted was for Barack Obama. Okay. So that shows you the juxtaposition, how I vote for the person. I vote for the speaker. I vote for the ideas. I vote for what they talk about. I'm not, a, I'm not a political party person. I'm a person. I'm a people person. And I really believe people buy people. I bought Ronald Reagan and I bought Barack Obama, but I didn't buy George Bush, but I said I did because I wanted him to like me. And he said, Thank you. And I said, could I get a photo, sir? And he said, why, certainly. And we take the photo and I like leaned against him so you could see we're really there. And then when it was over, I had the wherewithal to say, sir, what's the most important thing you ever learned? And he said, well, young man, that's a very big question. But I'd have to say that you have to keep doing the things you love in this life. Now, that's not a what's, what does that have to do with politics? That's the advice of a 75-year-old man to a 40-year-old man. That's what that is. That's, that's all that is. Mm. And that's the wisdom of that man for me. And that's what the universe gave me. And that's how I really feel like all of these encounters with the international superstars, like the presidents, all of this stuff, 
the even and the women, the great, you know, there's several really spectacular women who made it into the pages of this book, even though it's called Wisdom of the Men. All of this I take as messages from the universe. Yeah, that is it's so and you do it without a judgment. And this is so beautiful. You don't put people on a pedestal and you let them be, right? This is something very interesting. And I think people sense that. So why does this yes come? Or even why do you sense them coming? So your awareness, you're very open to be aware of who passes us is important. Yeah, if you go through landscape, you have to feel, oh, there's an animal. And so you even see an animal, a bird or a cat. And I, I remember in college, Clint, by the way, everyone, When I started reading Clint's book, uh, I'm writing a book myself, pulling up many stories. So many stories. The, the first few days came out, out, and I had to write notes and I barely could because I had a pinched nerve and couldn't hold. So there's scratches or images. So uh, Clint, for this, I want to thank you this moment for coming into my life because you showed all of your facets as, as a child and later on. And I thought, oh my God, I forgot this. And I forgot, and you, there was this in ignition, 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 igniting, igniting, igniting. And it was, um, it felt great. It felt livelying, uh, re-livelying. Uh, I became more alive and um, it became light and uh, a, a little, you know, crisp, life became crisp. And uh, for this, I want to thank you for, <laughs> it's important for me, so I don't forget. And everyone, you may have the same experience. And there was one moment I read a book and I said, I saw that article, you were writing about an article. I lived at that time in the US and I had just brought a friend back to California, uh, Santa Monica. And there was your article about the trash art exhibit because you're not just a writer. You're also <laughs> and I, I can see, I can remember images. I saw that article. This is really bizarre, <laughs> I think. And now, 35 years later, you know, something like this, we meet. This is fascinating. Wow. And so why do we get to meet certain people in life? Why do we read certain things? This is something that fascinates me, Clint. There is always a reason behind everything. And that's why I love that you're also so open. Because when we stay open, we let this happen. Yeah, this well, is, look, I can't put words into it. I hope everyone who's listening and uh, watching that you sense the vastness and the possibility that is being created. There's so much to talk about in that, in that one thing. This is all a result of the mentorship of Frank McCourt, who uh. won the Pulitzer Prize for his memoir, Angela's Ashes. He was my high school creative writing teacher. And he told me, you need to, you need to write I, I, I'm not going to be able to do his accent properly right now because I, I don't I don't remember exactly how he said it, but you have to write what you know. And what do you really know? You know your own life. And what you're saying is that by reading about how I wrote about my life, it inspired you to write about your life. Is that is that what you said? Yeah, I mean, I I started the idea already, but then you right. pulled more. I already had set intention. Right. And I had found already, I, I painted them down, my ideas and mm -hmm. stories, but you pulled deeper stories, stories that I needed to read in your book to recognize or see and uh, help me remember, because you write so fresh, you write, uh, you don't cover up anything. You're so honest. What I love about your writing, it is you share your mistakes, you, you, you share how you feel, you're very open, um, you show your wounds, and I can feel them bleed, but I can also feel how you grow and how strong you're getting, and that there's always like a little bit of a, not a repetition, but that there is a pulse happening uh, with that, that you're, right, that as we get more and more and discover about ourselves, we pull more in and become grander and we can walk up more 
straight with the eyes directly forward. We don't have to hide or look down anymore. And this is also uh, something you're, you're vibrating uh, through your book. I wrote in the book that in life, certain events change you. Writing this book changed me. I wrote this book during a 10-day period in Venice, Italy. Well, this way, I, I, knew, <laughs> I knew everything that was in the book because it was all fresh in my mind. And I held nothing back because there was no, no one looking over my shoulder that was censoring me or impacting my honesty. I was just 100% honest with all of this. And I knew what I had written. And as I wrote more and as I, as I was creating my life's work masterpiece, which is what I consider this to be, I was growing as a person, as a writer, as a man. And all of this was changing me, this experience of writing this thing and looking back over my life, understanding the events and how they interplayed with one another was changing me in this whole process. And I hope, I, I hope the writing changes other writers too and shows them how you can write about your life in different ways and come at stories from unexpected angles. That's what I really love to do, to, to, to approach a story in a way where when you end up at the end, it's just amazing of how you began and how you got to the end. That's what I really love doing the most. Yeah, one day I walked into the kitchen. I said, I uh, spoke with my husband. I said, you know, it's amazing. So often we think about the moments that we went wrong, but none of them went wrong. They, each single moment or a, a deep, I wouldn't even call the word detour anymore. We're really in the right spot or we are uh, certain places because certain processes or we think about things or we have to meet a person, right? Sometimes it's a sentence. We have to watch a movie. We have to eat a certain thing. We have to sense a, a, a different scent landscape, be in another culture. And that moment, because Clint, that's what I like. Maybe I'm maybe because I'm rather similar <laughs> to you. This is could could be it, right? I believe every experience is for uh, experience forms us. It gives along us words uh, that we speak uh, form us, and, and it's important. And you use that as well. Uh, that it's easy to write about it because you have lived it. And as I, I want to write it. And because you are so many facets and I also have so many facets, right? The, the art or the dancing or the landscape architecture, the list goes on, mom, blah, blah, blah. Um, that's what, and then weaving all these stories together, but it cannot be separate. They need to be there to give the bigger picture and to give more depth to a, a, a tapestry or the more flavor into a soup full of in, ingredients that can make that soup only taste that good because all of these awkward things are in there. I don't know why I met George Clooney in a bar with my oh. baby mama, I, but I do know that he has impacted my life. I don't know why I met Snoop Dogg, but I, I did feel, you know, you talked about feeling the energy. That's that's how I felt George Bush come out of the, the different alleyways in the bowels of the Wynn Resort. I felt an energy coming from the door. And I, when I looked, there's the president of the United States. And the same kind of thing happened with Snoop Dogg. I was sitting in the lobby of the W Hotel in Hollywood. And I was texting on my phone and it's, you know, when, so many people today, we spend our lives just wrapped up in the little 6.5 inches of screen right in front of us. We don't see what's going on in the bigger world. It was funny. I was at a, a dinner last night and like everyone in the whole restaurant was texting and there was some beautiful woman getting photos of the sunset with with her in the foreground and her husband was taking the photos and everyone's texting and I'm looking at the beautiful woman in the sunset. I'm the only one, right? But it's when I met Snoop Dogg, I'm texting and all of a sudden I felt an energy and I look up and there's Snoop Dogg just going right by me fast. And I said, wow, that was Snoop. I better go after him. And I followed him outside. 
And there we were standing on the red carpet by the valet parking. And I said, Snoop, can I get a photo? And he just goes like that, gives me my photo, which is one of my best celebrity photos that I have. Everybody loves that photo. And I've been using it for years. Then I said, Snoop, what's the most important thing you ever learned? He said, life's too short to smoke cheap weed. And then he got into a Rolls Royce SUV and drove away. And, you know, that is a great thing. Now, I, I quit smoking weed in 2009. I'm not judging anybody. Do whatever you want. For me, it was giving me fear, procrastination and doubt. And when I quit smoking weed that I six weeks later, I did my first of 111 television appearances. You can draw your own conclusions about whether weed was holding me back or not. In any case, I do believe that life is too short to smoke cheap weed or drink cheap wine, even though I gave up drinking more than eight years ago or eating good food or buying the best clothing that you want or the car that you want or living in the house that you want or doing anything. Life's too short to do anything you don't really want to do or to deny yourself anything that you really want. I love that the, the denying or uh, that we go after things we desire because I believe everything is medicine and we need don't need much. But when we sense it is the right thing for us that we don't censor ourselves or tighten ourselves or push it away. And in a way, that's what you uh, don't do. You don't push it away and you don't censor yourself. It accelerates you there's always this little speed you feel it and that's really interesting i would love can you hone into that what is it that suddenly pulls you have you ever thought about um because it's over and over suddenly you see people and you get pulled or you get pushed what is it more of a feeling is it more of a being pulled by the other person because you're supposed to weave all of them together in, in this life or in book or in your experience because you're right the wisdom you, you you're uh, going in conversation with them even if it's for an instant it, it, we can exchange a lot in that single moment um how would you uh, say it is you're right we do exchange a lot in a single moment this is not in the book when my daughter was born my grandmother was in the hospital she was mortally ill in the hospital And we brought my daughter to see her and they were wheeling my grandmother from her room to the intensive care because she was declining so fast. Mm -hmm. And when we held the baby to her, she took her hand and she said, I waited for you, baby. And then they took her away and then she was gone. A lot can be transferred in a moment. And I've had a lot of those moments in my life and I, I, I feel blessed that I'm the kind of person, Tony Robbins says there is two kinds of people in the world. Those who are inspired by, um, by wanting to be more and those who are motivated by fear and pain. There's, that's the two motivators. You're either aspirational or trying to avoid pain. And I'm fortunate that I consider myself a person who is aspirational. I, I am motivated by pain. Don't get me wrong. I, you know, when the pain gets bad enough, I'll do stuff. But most of what created wisdom of the men was my aspirations to be more, to do more, to have more, to fulfill my potential, to be, you know, everything that I can be in this world, even though I don't really understand what's pushing me or driving me. I think it has to do with the fact that when I graduated from college, I went home to get the attaboys and my parents got into the biggest fight of all time. And my dad stormed out of the house and slammed the door. And I turned to my mom and I said, you know, mom, the way he resents you all these years, have you been cheating on dad? And I was thinking, wow, where did that thought come from? I never thought that in my whole life. And then I'm thinking, what kind of a rude son of a gun asks his mom a question like that? That's the rudest thing I've ever said to anyone. And then I'm thinking, why ain't she answering the question? And then she says, he's not your real father. Your real father was a doctor at the fertility clinic we went to for six years trying to have you and you look just like that guy. And that changed everything for me. That that identity changed really quickly 
Well, you have no idea how much of your identity is based on the fact that you think you know who your actual parents are. Even though, according to an article I read in Forbes magazine, 30% of the planet doesn't really know who their father is. They think they do, but they don't really know, or they don't know, and they don't know. But when yeah, it when provided freedom, though, it, it uh, provided a Sturm und Drang, right? Goethe said that it, it's this, this, this strong storm suddenly that comes up a little bit, that burst. Uh, and then that moves you forward. But it also provides a freedom so you can become something new. Oh, 100%. I, from that moment on, I no longer wanted to be an investment banker. I wanted to be a movie star. <laughs> and, and I gave myself the permission. And, and it's fascinating because I went to high school with Robert Downey Jr., Mm -hmm. And he was the star of the of the drama club's play was the musical version of hair. And I was the star of West Side Story. I was Tony in West Side Story. And because we were both the star of the school plays, we were in the same grade and we became friends. And he influenced me. And another kid who went to our junior high school was Jonathan Cryer. There was a little TV show in America called Two and a Half Men with Charlie Sheen and John in Germany. Yeah. And John Cryer was the star of that. You know, I mean, here's two gigantic stars. And I was this. And the funny part is that the next year in in, uh, in 10th grade, John, no, ninth grade, in ninth grade, John Cryer played Conrad in Bye Bye Birdie in the junior high school production of Bye Bye Birdie. And in 10th grade, I played Conrad in the high school production of Bye Bye Birdie. So why did those guys become giant stars? And I never did. I, and I didn't even equate all of that. I just, as soon as I no longer was, look, my father was an accountant. The man who raised me was an accountant. And he, the, his greatest pride was that I went to the Wharton Business School. And I, I, I wanted it. I made up my mind that that's what I wanted to do, probably because I wanted to please my father. I, you know, I have a dog and when I hold my dog and walk around with my dog, I constantly say, daddy loves you, baby. Daddy loves you. I realize my whole life has been guided by this search for the love of father. Yeah. And, to be and, seen, to be seen. And now that is, a, you needed that though, right? Because to be seen, that means you didn't feel seen or, um, that brings out that you love to highlight. This is something people feel so comfortable around you because you really see them. First of all, because you have all these seemingly unrelating experiences or mm -hmm. seemingly unrelating people you meet or circumstances you are in, uh, places you're in. But that gave you an understanding of so much differences and um, unique viewpoints. And so you can really see people because we're all like this way. And it is it's, sometimes I sense a little sad that we're trying to be only one way. And Clint, I believe many in this world want to be seen. They feel something is not true. What they're living is not true. And the only thing they need someone now to see, oh, she or he is doing it. They're not afraid. They're showing the, their way and style, how they are. In, and if they can do it, oh, then I can do it. Or I want to do it. Or I'll, I'll try to do it. And this is so important. But for you to see people and then you help them to see themselves, that's what I find so fascinating. And to make him also courageous enough then to move forward and not to fear to be judged by others that they approach. I have walked the walk. And I, and I think what you're referring to is the clients, the authors, speakers, coaches, experts that I work with in Sam. helping people to become celebrity entrepreneurs. That's what I call it. Celebrities in the eyes of customers and prospects. And I've walked that walk. I quit writing twice. I quit writing immediately after college. Then I quit after my 13 years chasing the Hollywood dream. I quit writing again, 30 screenplays, 10 books. I drove a taxi at Wharton Business School graduate. It wasn't worth it. And for eight years, I didn't write a word. And I, you know, I've written so much in my life and I've, and I've actually quit tw 
twice and yet I come back and now I have a Pulitzer nominated book and you know I, I don't understand how they could not pick this book because it, it's who who doesn't want this book I don't understand who wouldn't want to read this book and who couldn't profit from this book and I really put so much into it and I you know if I could get to this point in my life where I could be a successful writer. I make mucho dinero, not necessarily from selling books right now, but as I explain in the book, selling books is not really the way most people make money from books. Yeah, and you so give tips. Mm-hmm. I found a way to be a writer. Like the writing for me is the fun part. The writing for me is like painting a picture. That's what this is. It's it's the artistry is the writing, but I've found how to make money and earn a living and be very successful and profitable and wealthy from being a writer and a speaker, which is what I am. People say, what do you do? I'm a writer and a speaker. And to, for me to be able to say that and to actually have created the lifestyle that I have where I worked with every major superstar on the planet so far, except The Rock and Kevin Hart. Those are basically <laughs> the only two that I haven't worked with. And I'm looking forward to meeting them soon. And Kevin Hart, yeah, both I like a lot. As well. I, I love those guys, but I haven't worked with them yet, but I've worked with everyone else. Martha Stewart, Dr. Oz, Ice-T, new presidents, yeah, all of it. For me to do that as a writer, that's amazing because I quit multiple times. So that's why people, they see, and they see that, hey, if he could do it, I could do it. Now, unfortunately, what drove me to so much disappointment was the greatness of my mentors. Frank McCourt won the Pulitzer Prize. After Frank McCourt, my college roommate's father, and he was also my girlfriend's father. I, I met my college roommate's sister. I started dating her. And asked, after that happened, her father, who won the Academy Award for Platoon, which he produced and got Best Picture Oscar, he became not only my mentor, but my inspiration as a storyteller, as a producer, as a filmmaker. I wanted to be like him. And I thought, if he could win the Academy Award, then I could win the Academy Award. That was delusional. And for so long, I thought, well, if Frank McCourt could win the Pulitzer Prize and, and make a lot of money as a writer, then I could do it too. And that was delusional. And, you know, I I had to learn my way through this whole world. I had to figure out how to be a writer in a way that worked for me so that I could not just survive, but thrive as a writer. And luckily, I've I've continued to study with experts in the in the in the in the world of being a writer and a speaker and a coach and a seminar leader i've spent a lot of time and money studying with those people so that i can learn how to take my artistry which is the wisdom of the men and off the back of the book make mucho dinero and i teach other people how to do that too because i think it's important i think every person who wants to share their message should be able to do it, but it it ain't easy. And it's not going to necessarily dump a lot of money in your lap, certainly not the way you expect it to, especially when there's so many self-published books out there today. But if you if you really want this, you can do it. You just have to find your own way. And it's a beautiful world that we're able to find our way to being writers and speakers and coaches and and have our own way to put our unique voice into the world yeah and it's so needed now i think the whole universe cosmos we were talking about the color codes we had today is that this is going to happen uh the ways of doing as everyone else has stagnated has hurt people they feel uh, condensed in a way. And so it is now the time to figure out what makes me the way I am, what makes me unique, or even for me, Mylene, I say, what's Mylene-ish, and to bring exactly that out. And uh, so there's also the timing, right? Why do some started out right away, some came in the middle age, some later, even your teacher, right? He was in his 70s when he wrote his book, but then 
uh, it, when it came out, it hit the world because in that moment, the world was open to hear his words, to treat about it, right? Maybe 20 years earlier, they, they weren't there and then it could go worldwide and be made into a movie. And this is another aspect. And too often we, you know, Clint, we start hitting ourselves on that. Oh, I should have and da da and why not yet? Because it wasn't the time yet. Often the whole environment, the whole planet moves with one. We have grander reasons. We are not just a human being. We have something we're bringing to this uh, earth. And it unfolds at different times in different speeds and uh, different momentums. And I also think you were in different professions uh, of putting your energy in there. So it is also that your energy was needed. It was, energy. you know, and this is so important. And now it's needed here. And now it's going to help others move them forward and, and bring out what is deep within to be have fun. That's so important. You bring this lightness and fun to writing about ourselves, to voicing. It's not anymore this seriousness, this academic way, this observed way, this judged way. And this is, you're just making it troop, 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 and it's done all over, different. And for that, <laughs> I love it. It's a different and book you. than you've ever read before, isn't it? Yeah. And it's but out a little bit how I envisioned it. It should be a book <laughs> uh, if it's a memoir. But it's a memoir with what have I've learned about myself? What made me who I am? And what do I bring out? And what did others, uh, did others get from me? Or what are others getting from me? And what I'm emanating out into the world. For me, it's important, uh, Clint, that people see that they're important, that there are no pedestals, that we are as grand as the other, and we bring beauty and love to each other. And this is what I work for. You said energy and the energy also what formed me to get more and more and create and do. So this energy gets into flowing and even there's this time to go inside or nothing happens, one thinks, but there's always something happened because in those moments we dissolve. To create, we also have to dissolve. You as an artist, a writer, you know, you know all about it. There is this interplay and sometimes it takes much longer and more hard work, especially if we um, dissolve old things or let realities collapse, as we say in the shamanic word. And then we, with more ease and with more lightness, we can create then the new and what is coming. And we're all moving into something very, very new, something that hasn't been here ever before. So that's why we all have to be who we are. And you invite all of us to be more and to embody our own wisdom, like all the men and the women you asked the questions uh, about the wisdom of their life, how they would, um, what they would provide to others. And this is important that we all say, my wisdom, my knowledge is important for me and for everyone else. That's how mankind has progressed to where we are now. It's from <laughs> the collective wisdom of the people helping everyone who comes afterwards to lead a better life. And it used to be passed orally from, from generation to generation around the campfire. Now it gets captured on pages or in audios or on videos. And I, in 2013, I started teaching a class called Celebrity Launchpad. Celebrity Launchpad is how to make a difference and a fortune sharing your message on local TV. And what I realized in that process was that I am in service of messages. These messages come from energy in the universe. I believe messages exist independently. They are their own thing, their own energy out there. And one of the participants in Celebrity Launchpad told us that she was bringing a message from a tree that was a thousand years old. That was the message she shared at Celebrity Launchpad and got booked on television with that message. And the wisdom of the men is nothing except for a collection of energetic messages from all these superstars, 
all these presidents, all these amazing people, real regular people in my life, regular people who happen to be on TV a lot. It's all about the message. And I'm a service. I'm a servant of messages. Beautifully said. Yes, that's what we are emanating out. Um, this energy for others to feel through the spoken word and through your presence and your written word and <laughs> your videos, right? Which is now also a film. So in a way you have so many videos, you've been so much on TV. You have done a lot of film. <laughs> so media I, was always part of you, even though you thought it, it wasn't, it just came as a new form and who knows where it still will go. <laughs> We did a documentary a couple of years ago. We did a documentary. We won the Williamsburg International Film Festival Best Documentary Prize for Celebrity Entrepreneur. And that's a pretty big deal. Williamsburg, I Brooklyn so. is, is, a, is like the hippest place in the world. And we won that film festival with the documentary. That's, that's pretty amazing. So, you know, I've made a lot of films and behind the scenes videos. I, I, I do it all with the iPhone and I do it all myself. I, you know, I wrote the book myself and a lot of people hire writers to write the book. A lot of people hire me to write their books. And that's smart of them because I love writing books. I love getting to know people's stories because what I've realized is when I know your story, I know you. If I don't know your story, you're just a name or a number on a list. But when I know your story, I know who you are. And that's what's so great about this book. And that's why I have all of my clients read this book. Because when you read The Wisdom of the Men, then you know Clint Arthur. Yes, you really, true. You, you feel like you know me and you do. Because I've told you everything in this book. It's all in there. All the most important stuff in my life is in this book. As raw and as real as I could possibly tell it. The good, the bad, and the ugly. Some stuff I didn't think I would put in there, but I did because I, I figured out why. Like the chapter on Ed Asner is what yeah, I needed to be in there. About. Yeah. Some women have a hard time with that chapter. I get a lot of hardship of, over that chapter because they don't want to think that their husband is like that, or they don't want to think that their brother is like that. Or if it's a guy, they don't want to think that they are like that. But I believe, I mean, this is my truth. I'm just sharing my 100% truth in this book. And I think that's the role of an artist. I think if you want to be a, a good artist and hold true to yourself, you just need to put your truth out there and let the cards fall where they may. When people can like it or not like it, that's up to them. But I needed to write what was my truth. I needed to share the truth of my life and my stories. And that's 100% what I did in this book. And I think that's what all great art should be. Because if you're trying to write what you think somebody else wants, I'm not writing anything that I thought people wanted in there. I only wrote what I wanted to write. Ah, I'm not going to say anything anymore. You, that was like a beautiful uh, finish of uh, the podcast. Everyone, Clint, you can sense he is so much more than just uh, the a boyish now. <laughs> yeah, but you go back and forth, Clint, and you bring that uh, a speediness, like a speedy, uh, speedy Gonzalez comes to my mind, you know, even in Mexico, right? He goes back and forth and brings all these ideas back and information back uh, that is needed so everyone you will get that uh, i put my hand in the fire for this when you read uh, the book wisdom of the men how i went from a taxi driver to working with international superstars and five u.s presidents revealing all my secrets so you can do it too so you can do it too. That intention does not come out of all, or let's say many books. And Clint, thank you very much for doing exactly that to helping each person who's interested to give her or his story voice and to impact others' nature and our, our planet and uh they're in good hands with you or by reading the book and how can people get uh, to 
to you. It's in the book, you do that really well. There's over and over, you're reminded how people can connect with you. But for the listener, what is the simplest way they can remember as they listen to you? Clint.com, C-L-I-N-T-T-T, Clint with three T's.com. Why three T's? Because one of my clients is an expert on the science of names. And she said, Clint, I wish you could add another T to the end of your name because the T's always end up on top. And I couldn't get Clint with two T's.com, but I could get Clint with three T's.com. And that seems to be working out pretty good. Clint with three T's.com is how you find me. The book is on Amazon, Wisdom of the Men by Clint Arthur. And I want to, you, you keep referring to me as a boyish man. And the funny thing yeah. is, I talk You're about so much fun. You, you I, make me you. smile and you always have a smile on your face and wherever you are in this excitement and uh, the living. So this is why, um, but I don't want that people think that you're like a boy, but this, uh, this, we should not lose what a boy carries within him and keep Amen. it as you do Amen. in an adultness. Amen. I feel like I'm the same guy I was when I was 19 years old. I really, really do. But I want to tell you this. In the book, I talk about how I met Mick Jagger and the Rolling Stones. And in that chapter, I talk about all the concerts that I went to, including Muddy Waters at the Beacon Theater when I was a senior in high school. I sat in the 13th row of Muddy Waters and he died shortly thereafter. And Muddy Waters' greatest song is Manish Boy. So I want to end this thing right now with a little tribute to Muddy Waters' Manish Boy. This is how it goes. Oh, yeah, everything, everything, everything going to be all right this morning. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh this is this is life everyone this is how we're supposed to live i invite all of you live this way like arthur and me and what is so fun when people like this come together more laughter is created more joy let's all move that direction into being one with each other within ourselves and Clint, thank you very much for being on the Moving to Oneness podcast, everyone. Thanks for showing up, staying, listening, and soaking in what uh, the energy that was brought through. And take the time to contemplate what the energy is doing with yourself. Observe it, uh, become aware what it also does over the next few days. So I'm Eileen, your host, and have a wonderful day. Goodbye, everyone. Bye.